Hello, and welcome to episode 104 of the Convenient Counselor Podcast. My name is Brianna Leach. I'm a wife, a mom of three, and a licensed counselor. And this week, my self-care has looked like sitting on the porch as much as possible and grocery delivery. And I hope that you are taking time this week to take care of yourself as well. And I'm so thankful you're here listening today. The goal of this podcast is to create a safe space for you to learn more about mental health topics on your time. This is no replacement for actual therapy, which I hope you are pursuing, but I do hope that it's a supplement in caring for yourself. Part of learning about mental health topics is learning about the world of psychology and therapy, and there are so many different tools and techniques and approaches or theories all kinds of different perspectives on ways to do therapy. Now, if you meet a therapist, most likely they use a mix of multiple types of approaches. Rarely do I meet people who only use one all the time. Typically, a good therapist will adjust as needed depending on the client's needs. So for some of my teenagers in the past, I've used a lot of reality therapy, which is, I call it the Dr. Phil approach. How's that working for you? Okay, so you made bad choices and your parents don't trust you. So how's that working out? It works pretty well with teens. And with a lot of my clients, I use cognitive behavioral therapy, which is change the way you think, change the way you act. So we learn a lot about how our behaviors are shaped by what we think. Those are just a couple examples, but I thought it'd be fun on this podcast because you're here learning about yourself and mental health topics that we could explore some different approaches to therapy. I'm someone who absolutely loves when I meet a new person to hear their story. I think every story matters. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not significant or if you are the star of some movie in Hollywood Every single person's story matters, and our story is what brings us to where we are today, and it shapes who we are. Unfortunately, sometimes we have chapters or parts of our stories that were written by other people or were negatively influenced, and we didn't have control over writing the story in that moment. Or maybe there's chapters or even a whole section of your story that you're not aware of or you haven't given enough emphasis on. So there's a field of thought called narrative therapy, and I think it's fascinating, and I want to teach you a little bit more about it today so that if you're working with a therapist and you can say, hey, do you use this, or are you already using this? Maybe I wasn't aware of it. And we can have a little bit of one-sided, awkward narrative therapy like I always love to do on this podcast. So (laughs) I'll ask you some questions, and you can respond in your car, in your kitchen, wherever you're listening. I'm starting with this one because it's actually a relatively new approach to therapy, and it's not as well known. It was developed in the 1980s by an Australian social worker named Michael White and David Epstein, who was a family therapist from New Zealand, and it gained traction and came to the U.S. later in the 1990s. It's actually not one that I did extensive research in grad school or anything like that. I didn't know a whole lot about it, but I think because I'm someone who naturally loves someone's story anyways, it very organically became a part of my counseling style. 
I want to know your story. I want to know where you got that thought from. What shaped that behavior? And that's exactly what narrative therapy is. I love the way that positivepsychology.com describes it or defines it. Narrative therapy assumes there is no such thing as objective reality and instead allows clients to redefine and rewrite their stories in ways that are more effective for coping with reality. It goes on and says, like many other client-centered approaches, it sees the client as the expert on their own life and uses techniques that allow for separation of the problematic behavior from the person that we are so that we can effectively address the problem without getting our ego caught up in the process. (laughs) I love that. It's like, let's look at this behavior separate from who you are and your identity and figure out where it came from. I have several episodes already like this. Why are those presets there? Why do you think this as a knee-jerk reaction to things? Is that something that was planted in your mind, in your heart years ago? I also love narrative therapy because it's very investigatory. That's a big word, but like, I love detective work. I wanted to be Nancy Drew growing up, but this is one of those things when you start to be curious about why you are the way that you are, there may be some parts of your story that need to be rewritten in a healthier way or just a flashlight shown on areas of problematic thinking. Let me give you a couple examples and we'll jump into that one-sided counseling that I love to do on here. So if you're my client and you're telling me this story about how Easter morning has to look a certain way, It has to have perfect baskets. Everyone needs to be dressed to the nines, matching hats, matching shoes. And this is starting to really wear on you and spike your anxiety and make you worry that it's not going to be enough. As your therapist, I would probably stop you and ask a deconstructing question, which is one of the approaches in narrative therapy, a deconstructing question of, okay, where did the idea that a perfect Easter morning looks like this? Where did that come from? And if this is you, I want you to ask yourself that question. Easter's coming up and maybe you have in your mind, it has to look a certain way. Where did that come from? Who put that there? Step one is just naming the source, deconstructing a little bit. I've operated this way for so long, but I've never stopped to think Where did that get ingrained in my story and a part of who I am that that's kind of my subconscious expectation? Is it a societal thing? Is it a culture thing? Is it a family member? Where did that come from? And then another technique in narrative therapy is gaining perspective. So does everyone feel this way about Easter morning? Does everyone do this and have the same amount of stress and anxiety that you're feeling right now? Who in your story, in your life, feels the same way? Let's gain a little bit of perspective on this. Are you the only one feeling this way or is this common? Another technique in narrative therapy is opening space. Some of you may have heard this before, this term, creating space for someone, opening space. It helps you bring things to the surface and look at them in a little bit different way. So I might ask, where in your life or what Sunday mornings do you not feel this way? Do you not feel the anxiety of needing to look or act a certain way? Is it every single Sunday morning or is it just this day? Let's open some space and look at it, spread it out on the table 
and review the evidence. There are so many different techniques. I'll, I'll do one more that's within narrative therapy, but it's called story development. And I love this because it gives the client the power to add to the story, to yes and to what's going on. So story development might look like, okay, so you have these other moments where you're not feeling this much stress to perform and be expected to look a certain way. So tell me more about that. What did you do differently in those moments? Was it internal? Was it external? You're getting to add more to the story yourself because a lot of this is happening in your head and the people around you aren't on the same page. Or maybe you're not even aware that this is what you're doing on a regular basis. So story development allows you to yes and to what's going on, the behavior, but separating it from your identity and looking at it curiously saying, okay, do I always feel this way? Where did this come from? What am I already doing well on the moments or during the moments that I don't feel this way? And now if the Easter example does not apply to you, (laughs) there are lots of other ones. I've had clients, um, male clients that maybe are worried about showing emotions. So we kind of dive into, okay, who told you that real men don't cry? Who told you that real men don't express their emotions externally? Let's figure that out. Where, where are moments in your life that you have expressed emotions and it's been well-received or it's been affirmed by people around you or even just internally, it felt good to express your emotions. I love using narrative therapy with kids because sometimes their friends are writing their story rather than them feeling empowered to write their own story. So you're telling me that you aren't smart enough to ace this test. Okay, where did that come from? Did something happen in the past where maybe you started having some self-defeating thoughts because you failed another test? Did a friend or a staff member say something like this? Narrative therapy just helps the client put the pen back in their own hand and start writing or rewriting as needed their own story. My goal in sharing this today is to kind of demystify some therapy thoughts or approaches because we hear the term narrative therapy. Maybe you are with a new counselor and they say, hey, I use this as an approach for our sessions. And you think, am I going to have to write and publish a whole book by myself? (laughs) It's nothing like that. I want it to feel very non-threatening. Narrative therapy is extremely respectful of the client. The counselor or therapist really just acts as the guide and shining that flashlight as needed of, hey, let's look over here for a little bit. I'm seeing some connections or broken connections over here. Of course, there's always critiques of every therapy. There's some psychologists or therapists who think there are some absolutes or you can't always rewrite your story. And I get that. There is definitely a time and place for this. The client has to be high functioning enough to understand the depth of the way our story impacts our behavior. And that's not always the case with clients. Like I said earlier, a good therapist will use a mix of lots of different ones, but I just wanted you as a listener of this podcast to learn more about one approach to therapy. And I plan to dive into a few other ones moving forward. But for you today, I want you to be encouraged that you have the power to review, edit as needed, 
and continue to write your own story. I don't mention it every week, but the reason I named this podcast The Convenient Counselor is because I rely on my convenient counselor, which is Jesus, every single day. He never leaves me. He never turns away or says my story isn't good enough. But by having a relationship with Jesus, my story gets to have an amazing future. Trusting in him, relying on him for strength and hope every single day. And if you want to learn more about that kind of story moving forward, I would love to chat with you more about it. You can reach out to me on social media at Convenient Counselor or anytime at ConvenientCounselor.com. That's all for today. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. As always, you've got this and I'm cheering you on. Thanks for listening.